bigger font. It's going to be on the screen. Um, nobody laughs at that anymore. I should stop saying it. Um, okay. All right. So we're going to get right into it. Listen, the whole deal today is that you not, and this is the big idea for today, that you not get caught up in religion. It's damnable, religion is. Religion is awful. It's what Jesus came to abolish. I don't want you to get caught up in religion. I want you to get caught up in Jesus. That's a big idea today. Keep that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, those that you've brought here. Thank you for all that you're doing here. Thank you that you are a great God and that you're with us and for us and that you're over us and below us and that you're around us and surround us and in us and that you, O oh God, are more powerful than the wind, stronger than the waves, more consistent than the sun rising and the sun setting. You are here. And so, Lord, I, I ask that you would touch every heart, every mind. Father, that those who are far from you would be long and be attracted to you. And that those who have come to you but have run away, Lord, would find a reason to settle in you. And that those who are, who are in you and serving you and loving you, that they would be re-energized with the beauty of who you are. Father, there's, there's a, a person here, Lord, who is not even sure why they're here. They're just, they're just curious. And, and it was a good rainy day to come out and get out of the rain. And Lord, there's another person who's here whose husband just told her he does not want to be with her anymore. Lord, would you, would you speak to that woman? Would you minister to her heart? Father, there's parents that are here that are so heartbroken over what the decisions their children are making. They don't know what to do. Lord, with all these different issues and stuff and junk and funk, Lord, would you, uh, would you meet us in a personal and specific way, every one of us? For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, so there was a runner in the Athens Olympics. Um, he, was, uh, he was running um, the uh, marathon. And so it's like over 26 miles, right? And so just slightly over 26 miles. So as he was running, he was ahead of everyone else with three miles to spare. Now, if you're ahead of everyone else with three miles to spare, I'm thinking you're all right. You're going to win. Right? Because, like, think about this. This is not like a, this is not like a five mile race. If you're ahead with three miles to spare, you still might lose. If you're in an over 26 mile race, and you're way ahead with three miles to spare, you're probably, well, he was running. His name was, and let me look at my notes for his name, because I can't remember. It's Vandaleri de Lima. Everybody say Vandaleri de Lima. Lima. That is just cool. If I have another kid, I'm naming him Vandaleri de Lima Colón. Okay, um, Vandaleri de Lima. 
Now, Vandaleri de Lima was running and he had prepared his entire life, was totally focused, was doing his thing. Anybody who knows about running, I just recently started running again and ran like 8.2 miles, was going to die. I was like walking, right, I was walking like that, like, I was like, Edwin, you know, I was talking to my son. He's like, get me, get my protein shake, you know, and I was like hurting. It was like a bad deal and, you know, nothing good was going on after that. But now here's the deal. He was running, he was prepared, he was set, he was focused. And what happened was, and this was weird, maybe some of you saw this on the, um, uh, uh, and I think this was like the last Olympics, not, obviously not the Winter Olympics, this is like the last Olympics. Um, uh, there was a guy by the name of Cornelius Haran. Cornelius Haran actually jumped out into the, uh, into the, uh, to where the race, out of the crowd and into where the people were. So he jumps out and he grabs them. And he pushes them into the crowd. Isn't that crazy? Grabs them and pushes them into the crowd. If you know anything about running, you know that there's a, number one, there's a real mental deal about running. Like, you know, <laughs> I remember the first time I ran my, my first 10K, right? I was like, you're the stupidest dude in the world. Why are you doing this? You're crazy. You're going to die. Right? I was like, you know, it was like that, that was my story. Right? I was like, you're going to die. You're going to die. And so, um, and so I couldn't figure out why I was, doing it, but you, but it's a mental game, man. You you think, and you're a young person. And you think you're gonna have a heart attack. You're gonna die. This is crazy. What are you doing? Stop this. This is, you know, all this other stuff. So there's a mental part about about it, but there's also a rhythm part about it. Like once your legs get into the rhythm, that's why you hurt after the run. You don't hurt during the run. Once your legs are in a rhythm, it's like you know, you just go, you just go, you just go. And so this poor guy, Vandaler, Vandaleri, um was grabbed, pushed into the, um, into the crowd, and then eventually some people, you know, like officers and things like that, got him off of him, and then he kept, he kept on running. You know, he did his thing. He came in on third place because of it. He couldn't get his rhythm back, right? And he was just, you know... Now, why do I say that? Because it's a pretty cool story. I found it, and it was really... I thought you'd like it. No, um, because... In... Our walk in Christ. And by the way, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. If you're here and you have no idea who Jesus is or you're not interested or you equate Jesus with like Zeus and it just doesn't even like, you know, honestly, it's just like in the realm of mythology and you don't even qualify. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. Right. Uh, And what I mean by me too is I came to church the exact same way. I'm not down with Jesus. Wasn't really interested in reaching out to Jesus. Like, you know, I, you know, just, you know, found myself in a church, wasn't sure why, well, I was kind of sure, I was kind of hurting, <laughs> I was suffering a little bit, it's amazing how open-minded you become when pain comes into your life, right, and so, um, and so I came to church and all that other stuff, but if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm so glad you're here, but this message is primarily to those who have committed their lives to Jesus, now, if you're new, I don't want you to leave, this is the reason why I want you to stay, it's because I'm going to give you information that will help you to better make a decision about whether or not you want to follow Jesus. Now, if you're in Christ, this is going to be one of those messages where you get to avoid one of those haran, push you into the crowds, you're doing so good, and then you get distracted. And so, for, for all of us, whether we're in Christ or not in Christ, or just kicking the Christian tires, or really, you know, been in Christ for a good long time, this is a message for all of us. So I want you to lean in and listen, because this is going to be very 
powerful. The reason I told you the story about poor Vandaletti and uh, Cornelius who had pushed them into the crowd was because in our walk with Christ, there are several things that will jump out of the crowd that will try to distract us from Jesus. Somebody finished. Okay, the answer is um, gospel. Okay? Jesus plus nothing equals Absolutely. It equals, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus nothing equals sanctification. Jesus plus nothing. In other words, everything that you think, like everybody, th- you know, not everybody, I thought, that in order, to, um, in order to have a relationship with God, you had to become nice. In fact, the very reason why God came into the world was to make people nice. That's insane. God wouldn't have went through all the trouble. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not God, but I got a better way to make you nice rather than coming down from heaven and onto a cross, suffer and die. I send you a book. I'll mail you a letter, but I ain't coming down all the way from heaven. Like, you know what I mean? I might give you a phone call, text message you once in a while. You know, be nicer. Now, that wasn't very nice what you said to your mother. Like, that, I might do that, but I ain't coming and dying for you. And God, I don't think is, I mean, I think God is smarter than me, at least me. I mean, right? So God did not come to make bad people nice. Listen, listen. He came to make slaves free. That's big. That's big! Really, really big. Our huge, awesome God did not come to make bad people, give people, uh, uh, sick people or bad people a formula to get a little bit better. Our God came to make slaves free. And we get that news and that's why we call it the gospel. You know what gospel means? Anybody? It's the good news. It's the good news that we no longer have to perform to have a relationship with God. It's the good news that we no longer have to relate to God based on our effort. Because let's face it, you're not very good. I wonder if I have to sell that to you. Like, you're not very good, right? Do I have to point out some things in your past? Like, I mean, honestly, you're not... Listen, some of you would, oh dear, Um, listen, some of you would be less than reputable if you would get caught. And then some of you, some of you think because you're not as bad as those other people who would, you know, do some stuff if they wouldn't get caught, you think you're better than everybody else. And so it's just like a caught in every single direction. Like we are not necessarily good at all. A little bit. Not us. Not me. Listen. Truth be told, when I sit down with people and talk to them, and I'm talking about women who are with a guy who's cheated on her six times. And in the it's not because, oh, but I'm supposed to love him unconditionally. No, it's not. It's because she's afraid to be alone. It's a selfish reason. And, and she thinks that he's the last train out the dock. And she's not about to lose the last one. 
and says, oh, because I'm loving him. Because No, it's not. Because you're selfish and you're trying to manipulate him to believe that you're the one for him. When I, when I talk to guys, and listen, they give their word, and then they break it. What's up? What am I saying? I'm saying that none of us are good. If you look down to our motivations and our actions, even those of us who cross little old ladies across the street, we just, I'm going to try to prove that to you. But the truth is, all of us, all of us need to go from slavery to freedom. Hopefully, I'll be able to make that connection with you. But there are distractions that when we come to Christ, these distractions will, will threaten to hold us, put us in bondage again, bring us to the point where we're with the rest of the crowd, not moving as we ought. That's true. Now, this doesn't just happen to runners and... Um, this doesn't just happen to runners in marathons. This also happens, um, this distraction piece. This like, you know, I mean, how many, listen, how many of you had parents that got married? Go ahead and raise your hand if you had parents that got married, right? Okay, right? There's a few of you, right? I know we live in a world where it's like, you know, all, you know, hey, you know, um, pretty free. But how many of you have ever heard your parents say, when they got married, to say, I'm only going to love you for a little while, then I'm going to cheat on you and break out. I do. <laughs> like, how many of you, like, heard your parents, like, right, did you know of your parents? Right. Nobody. Nobody walks down the wedding ring. We got it. We got it. We have a, quite a few weddings here. It's beautiful to have weddings here. It's nice, right? And so, you know, the bride walks down here and it's very symbolic. I can't go into all the symbolism, but it's really symbolic and really beautiful and totally a representation of the gospel. And then come up here and let me tell you something. Everybody crying. Everybody just crying. Like the, the, I, I'm crying sometimes. Like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And I got to do the, I got to perform the ceremony, right? And so, right, so everybody's crying. And, you know, and we, we say, you know, we say things like, you know, do you promise to, you know, have and to hold, to cherish, to the sickness and the health, and all this other stuff, right? And you know what happens, right? Everybody at the end of those words say, I do. I will. Listen. They get into this marriage thing. Now, let me ask you another question. And don't raise your hands for this. How many of your parents are no longer... How, how many of your parents didn't? <laughs> not only did they not, I do. They, they just didn't. They didn't stay together. They didn't cherish. They didn't love in sickness or in health. They didn't honor and they did. They just didn't. And you go, well, what happened? How do we get from here? Beautiful. Oh, man, that's wonderful. Worshiping God, loving one another, you know, with such hope for the future. We're going to be in this forever. And then 10 years later, 5 years later, 15 years later, 20 years, whatever it was. What happened? Here, listen, listen. They got distracted. They got distracted. 
They were totally intent, right? And some of you, listen to me, some of you, all of your junk and all of your funk, not all of it, but a lot of your junk and funk come from the relationship that your mom and dad had, right? You viewed it, you were hurt by it, you made adjustments in your life and thinking because of it, and so you react in particular ways. You're destroying your own marriage because of some of the stuff that you saw in the marriage that you were growing Like, this is just, it has massive effects. What happened to that couple? What happened that they could have such, they have such hope and such desire for a great future and then wind up with not only destroying their lives, but destroying their children's lives and eventually, you know, just making a mess of their family. Well, well, how does that happen? here, Here it is. Let me see if I can make this clear for you. They were distracted. Something grabbed a hold of them and stopped them from doing what they were committed to doing. They were distracted. They were distracted. This doesn't happen just in marriage, though. It also happens. Isn't it true? Especially you students, right? You're studying for a test, right? And you're in the dorm or you're at home. And there's just so many distractions. You've got your phone. You've got your email. You've got your Twitter account. You've got your Facebook account. You've got, you've got the Internet. You've got, I mean, you've got your, you know, your younger brothers or sisters or older brothers. You know, you got your family. You got the things that you want to do. You got the movies you want to watch. You got the music you want to listen to. You got the magazines you want to read. You got the books that you were just thinking about, you know, looking at. Like you got, and especially when it comes to studying, you'll think of all sorts of things. Man, I got to clean up this room. There's a million, million distractions that can come. Listen to me. Because all of us, with the very best intentions and very best desires can be distracted on a dime. This can happen with friendships. You make a commitment to a friend. You say, hey, I'm going to be there, help you move, right? And then you, you know, you, you don't take care of certain responsibilities. All of a sudden, you can't be there for that person. Listen, all of us suffer with this idea of being distracted from what? We're committed to doing. The thing is, and this is, we all struggle with this, right? You struggle with it, I struggle with it, right? Whether it's at work, right? Your boss comes in and says, I need such and such done by, you know, next week. And what happens? You're distracted, you procrastinate, you move around, and then, you know, there's one night where you have to stay, like, all night long and, you know, finish the... The deal, right? Is there, and is there anybody like that? I wonder, right? And so, and so what, what, what is that? Well, you get distracted. I get distracted. There is always something that will deviate us from our course. If that is true and we get distracted, could it be, could it be that we can also get distracted in our relationship with God Could it be that we can also get distracted in living the beauty of the gospel? Could that be? Of course it is. In in fact, that's the place where we most get distracted. And the the thing that's damnable about that is that when you're distracted with everything else, you can kind of make excuses and you can kind of say, oh, all right, yeah, I know I'm being distracted, but I'll deal with it later. When you do that with God, you usually don't know you're being distracted. When When you're distracted from pursuing God, it usually, listen, the opposite of relationship with Jesus, the distraction 
from relationship with Jesus is not overt sin. It's not that. You know what it is? Religion. It's the opposite of relationship with Jesus. Where you start performing. I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. And you can start convincing yourself that if I just put these pieces together, then that means I have a relationship with Jesus. Farthest from the truth. Now, God knew that you and I get distracted. God knew that you and I have this tension. God knew that you and I have this proclivity to do what we would like to do. To go where we would like to go. And to address him in the way that we would like to address him, to relate to him. Every one of us has a proclivity of being distracted. And it's and it's not as obvious as a guy running from the crowd and and bear hugging us. It's not that it's not that. It's something that is so subtle that you can be distracted for thirty years and not know. So, in Galatians chapter 5, God addresses this issue of distraction. And the point is, and I need you to hear the point, that God wants us to be free. Say that word with me. Free. Like, taste it. Listen, freedom. Freedom freedom from those negative outlooks on life. Freedom from the depression. Freedom from, listen, freedom from those hoops that we jump through that think that we'll be able to convince ourselves that we're good people. Free. Really free. Free so that we could have such security in Christ that when we deal in relationships, we're secure. Not based on the relationship, but based on relationship with Christ. Free. Not so free that we can walk and be who God had intended us to be rather than what we think the person who we're with wants us to be. Free, really free. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this deal again, and then we're gonna come um, and then we're gonna kind of pick it apart. But I just want you to hear it over and over and over. My my objective during a service is that you would hear God's word over and over again, and God would just speak to your heart. So I'm gonna read this pretty quickly, and then we'll just go back to it. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be justified, be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view 
The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. (laughs) And that's the reading of God's word. Isn't that funny? After you ask a guy to cut it off, you go, and that's the reading of God's word. I found a chuckle in that throughout my study. I was like, yes, that is the reading of God's word, isn't it? Cut it off. Praise Jesus. Um, and so, I understand. So now watch this. This is, this is big. This is big. Paul. Paul. Who's Paul, right? You're here, you're new, you don't know. Who's this guy, Paul? Paul is, is, is an apostle. Apostle is a messenger of Jesus Christ. Paul um, went to this place, right? And I need, uh, let's see, one, two, three. Go, run up here, right? One, two, three. Yes, you, Maureen, Elizabeth, run up here. Go, come on, this message, they're already falling asleep. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. Now, right, so Paul, thank you, Maureen. Okay, Paul would go to little communities, tiny tiny groups of people, and he would go, and he would tell them this. Guys, listen up, listen up. This is the best news you've ever heard. Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel. Jesus plus that. You don't have to perform. You don't have to try to be good enough. Good for goodness sake is no longer your story. Your story is that your righteousness comes from Jesus. The gospel is, is that you deserve hell. God has paid the penalty of hell for you. You get Jesus. That's the good news. And they usually smile like Maureen, right? And so now watch this. They overjoyed. But now Paul couldn't stay there forever. Paul couldn't stay there forever. So what would happen is... Someone would come, the false teachers. Whenever I say false teachers, I want you to go dun, 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 dun. The false teachers. Ah, the false teachers came. And Bob loves Jesus, but he's going to be our false teacher for today. And so Bob, so the false teachers would go up there and just wave your hands like you're talking to them. And he would tell them, he would tell them all sorts of lies that you shouldn't believe. He would tell them that God is angry. No, don't actually talk. Okay, just pretend. Um, uh, listen to me. You can watch them, but you can listen to me. Watch this. And he would, no, no, don't, not too much noise. Thank you. All right, so this is not going as well as I thought. All right, but, um, but listen, listen, this is really, really important. The deal is this, is he would, uh, the, the false teachers would tell him, if you, do, it's Jesus plus being really good. It's Jesus plus obeying all the religious laws. It's Jesus plus giving. It's Jesus plus, hey, be better than that person. Don't have as much sex as that person. Don't hate as many as that people do. Don't have bitterness in your heart. Cross little ladies across the street. It's Jesus plus get baptized. If you're not baptized, you know you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Stand up, sit down, kneel down. Stand up, sit down, kneel down. Make sure that you go to church every week. Make sure it's Jesus plus. Hey, make sure that you, you know, pray the prayer walk down the aisle Jesus plus read your Bible all of a sudden it's Jesus plus something that will make you really happy and now the the false teachers would be there thank you false teacher and they would come back and they would have slumped shoulders the reason that they would have slumped shoulders right and the reason is listen listen because the teachers the false teachers had put Piles of things that they had to do on their back. Wait, you gotta do this, you gotta dress this way, you gotta act this way, you gotta think this way, you gotta say this way, you gotta... And so Paul, 
is desperate to get a piece of information across. And he writes it in a letter because he can't be there. And his, his letter is, guys, it's Jesus. Remember what we talked about? It's Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel. Thank you very much. Give him a round of applause. He did a great job. Now listen. Now listen. Okay. All right. Excellent. All right. Now watch this. That is why Paul is writing this letter. And what he says, and now you can hear his passion why he would tell him. Because <laughs> the other guys were saying, you know, junior varsity is like Jesus, right? But if you really want to go varsity, you got to circumcise yourself, right? <laughs> and so, you know, and, so, and, Jesus, and, and Paul is going, well, if circumcising yourself puts you like on, you know, junior varsity, why don't you just go varsity? Cut it all off. I mean, if it's really, it's a little good to circumcise yourself, go the whole way. Don't stop there. Great picture. Okay. So, um, but you could understand, you could understand Paul's passion. It's, listen, I don't want you to jump through. It's not Jesus plus steps. Jesus plus meetings. Jesus plus religion. Jesus plus baptism. Jesus plus... Plus that car, that girl, that Je- Jesus plus something else, this relationship. Jesus plus these clothes. Jesus plus this money. Jesus plus, it's none of that. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And here's the opposite. It is, it's not for bondage that Christ has set you free. It's for freedom. That Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. That means hold fast. Knuckle up. Get yourself prepared to fight for freedom. Because it's so easy to have these other people distract you. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourself be burdened again to a yoke of slavery. Listen to me. This is the battle of your life and it's the battle of mine. Watch this. There's not in Christ and then there's nice people. There's in Christ, the free, and then there's slaves. Listen, the world is separated by two groups of people. Free men in Christ and slaves. And you go, oh, give me a break. I'm not a slave. What am I a slave to? Listen. Everyone. Everyone falls into one slavery camp or another. And the two most popular slavery camps that I can think of is rule keeping and rule breaking. Isn't this the cutest little thing you saw? Right? Rule keeping... I'll pick that up in a minute. Rule keeping is what religious people do. So it's, everybody see the rule keeping, right? And they go, oh, little rule keeping. Oh, I got to make sure that you, and whatever it is for you, whatever you think of when you make yourself out to be a nice guy, what is it? What is it? I don't know. But it's something for you. Being nice to your spouse, 
making sure you make it to work on time, right? not using. It's great. Not, nothing wrong with that. Be nice to your spouse. Please don't use. And, you know, like, you know, go to work on time, of course. But if you think that that gives you a relationship with Christ, then your relationship is only so good as the rules you keep. Rule keeping. I'm a good little boy. I always do what I'm told. I always, I'm always nice. Most of you rule keepers, they have an actual psychological name for them. It's called codependency. None of you struggle with any of that. And the people who look really serious right now struggle with it the most. It's okay. I love you. But the little chinchilla, it's so cute. You're rule keepers. And as long as, and for you codependent people, for as long as people like you, for as long as people shout out your name, for as long as people go, oh, do you, would you believe so-and-so? They did this for me. And then, you know, the group goes, oh, they're just such a great friend. Or they were there for me or whatever. You're just a rule keeper. And that's the way your relationships with the opposite sex go. It certainly is the relationship that you have with Jesus. You are a rule keeper and you are a slave. You're a slave. So there's a rule keepers, right? And then we have the rule breakers. And that's another group of you people here, right? You people take the grace of God and trample on it. You go, and so you go, God will forgive me. It's okay. God loves me. He'll forgive me. Your, your deal is not this. I'm going to do all the rules. You go, God will love me. God will forgive me. It's okay. Hey, listen. Thought you said that it was a God of grace. Yeah, but if you... Okay. Okay. If you do that, you're going to break the law. You're going to go to jail. Yeah, but God will forgive me. Yeah, but try telling that to the judge. Like, that's not going to help you. You're going to hurt yourself. You go, yeah, but I love him. I know he's a sweetheart. But maybe you shouldn't sell everything you have to give him the money that he's asking for. Maybe you shouldn't, you know, in other words, maybe you shouldn't give yourself away to someone who will probably not be there. And then I, but, so you're just the rule breakers. And it doesn't matter, right? You, you just, like you're, so there's one who goes, God will love me. God will love me if I do everything right. You're the rule keepers. God will be with me. God, matter of fact, God loves me better than you. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a better rule keeper than you. And, 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 and because I'm a better rule keeper than you, God really, really loves, like if he loves you a little bit because you kept a little bit of rules, he loves me a lot because I keep a lot of rules. And then there's a bunch of armless people who are walking around and you're just like, and you're just like, hey listen, Jesus loves me. No matter what I do, I'm gonna do whatever I want. So I can, you know, I can do whatever I want. And what, I don't know what it is that you want to do, right? You know, where you surf on the net, how you speak to the people that you say that you love. I don't know. I don't know how honest or underhanded you are with your work, how, how much time you steal from your company. I don't know. I don't know. But your thing is that God loves you. And so that license for you to live however you like. 
And then other people come around and say, okay, well, there's got to be a balance. There's got to be a balance between the cuddly doll and the action figure. There's got to be between rule-keeping and rule-breaking. And the truth is, it's not rule-keeping, and it's not rule-breaking, and it's not something in the middle. It's not. It's something totally, totally different. It's freedom in Jesus Christ. Freedom. It is for freedom that he has set you free. Not to be in bondage. And listen to me. Those of you who kind of like, you know, you're free spirits, right? right? I know we got a couple, right? Little free spirit pom-poms. I'm a free spirit. Well, just, that just means you got authority issues. Just so you know, free spirits, all free spirits are, are people with authority issues who don't want to say they got authority issues. So they go, free spirit. So what they'll do is they'll go, you know, I'll totally, I'll totally listen to my pastor insofar as it jives with what I think. But once my pastor tells me something that I don't like, free spirit card. I'm a free spirit. I go, well, why did you do that? Free spirit. Did you not read the, the, the card? I'm a free spirit. Drive me crazy. For all y'all free spirits, y'all are in the most slavery of anybody else here. Do you understand, right, that when you're a free spirit, you're a, a slave to what you want to do? Do you not see that? Like, in other words, in other words, those of you who are... <laughs> I like your free spirits. I know we're only going to have 10 people here next week, but it's all right. Um, Free spirits, what they want to do is that they're slaves to what they want to do. So if the Bible says, hey, this is the way that you should go, and you, and here's your defense, but I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, that's your whole argument. But I don't feel like I should do that. I don't want to. And then what do you do? You obey what you want to do. And then, and then, you become in bondage. And if you're smart, you run back and you go, whoa, big mistake, terrible um, deal. I should not have done that. I was in, and you don't say this out loud, but it's, it's the reality of your life. I placed myself in bondage. Just ask guys who have a porno habit if they're free or in their, they're in prison. Like, I mean, literally staying in front of a computer for three hours. Freedom! Really. Ask those people who are in a relationship that they knew they should have left three years ago. Like, just like three years ago, like, you know, the first minute that they met each other, they should have broke out. Like, somebody should have said, Woo! Good looking. I'm out of here. You know, like somebody should have said that. And they're there. And say, Freedom! Ask those people. Like, whenever you walk down the street and you see somebody consumed with themselves, whenever I walk down the street, you know what? Jails are full of free spirits. Just people who did what they wanted to do. Listen, psych wards are full of free spirits, people who did what they wanted to do. I don't want you to fall on the rule-keeping side and think that your relationship with God is based on your performance. It's not. It's not. And I don't want you to fall on the side of thinking that you could do whatever you want 
Because you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. And you've already done that several times. You don't need me to give you examples. Where you said, where everybody else said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And you said, I know better. And you hurt yourself. In fact, your new girlfriend is paying the price that your old girlfriend left on the tab. Your new boyfriend, like, right? Like, you know, like you, you have, you know, you have arguments with your spouse about stuff they never did. They're like, what are you talking about? All I said was... I don't want you to be rule keepers. I don't want you to be rule breakers. I want you to find your freedom in Jesus Christ. Let's read this. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now look up at me. I know when you read this, we go, circumcision? What is circumcision? I ain't got no problem with circumcision. I won't circumcise. All right, Paul, I won't circumcise myself. That's not the point. Whenever we read the Bible, we have to read the Bible this way. Um, find out what it meant to them. Then, find out what God, what, what principle God is trying to share with us. And with that principle, find out what, what it means to us. Is that a cool principle? Right? So what did it mean to them? Now, now, the nightmare of modern scholarship or modern preaching is that it's just they invent whatever it means to us. Well, circumcision means that you, you know, you cut, you know, whatever. And, and they just miss the whole point. They miss the whole point. Find out what it meant to the original people who were reading the letter. Then you can find out the principle behind what Paul was saying or whoever was right, God was saying. And then you can apply it to yourself. They thought circumcision for them was the thing that made them closer to God. What is the thing that helps you to, what, what is the thing that brings you joy, happiness, and freedom? What is the thing that if, if God took away from you right now, you would be the most miserable person in the world? In fact, you would blame God and never connect with God. Is it your boyfriend, your girlfriend? What is it? Is it your job? Is it your house? Let me ask you something. If, if, if you lost your job, would God still be God? Could you still find your joy in God? Slow your roll, some of you. Um, think about what is it? If, let me ask you something. If God allowed your kids to smoke crack... Could you still worship God? Is God still good? If God let that cancer grow or let that viral load grow, is God still God? Is, l- l- listen, if God does not answer your prayer, is God still God? That's what circumcision represents. Circumcision is that thing that you must have in order to be close to God. And for some people, it, I don't know what it is for you. So if if you just stop doing this or start doing that, if you, if you just had this thing, this job, this person, then Jesus would be complete in your life. You would be happy. It's one more thing. It's Jesus plus some people. And, and, and you know, some people, it, they just want to get closer to God. And so they think, well, I've got to get baptized. Now, by the way, get baptized. That's important. That's really good. I want you to be baptized. The Bible says we should get baptized. But if you do it so that you might get closer to God, you've missed the point. Because God is more interested in your motivation than he is in your action. He's more interested in your heart than in your habits. Does that make sense? 
Because God is trying to, this is what will distract you are these things that you find lodged in your heart that deviate you from God, but you think will help you to bring joy, peace, great things in your life. God is interested in your heart. What is the motivation? If you come to this service and your only motivation, by the way, if you're new and you come to the service and your only motivation is to get rid of the pain and the suffering, and praise God, keep coming. I don't mind. But if that's the only way you know how to relate to God, then you've missed it. Here's the good news. When I do good things, God does not love me anymore. And when I do bad things, God does not love me any less. Isn't that crazy? Like, I mean, like, you know, like a couple of days ago, knocked it out of the park. Was like, you know, and and yesterday, did a really good thing. Like I could point to some stuff, right? Knocked it out of the park. God I could, just a week ago, just this week, I could see in one particular instance, God used me in such a powerful way. It was unbelievable to me. I cried and cried and cried. It was so awesome. It was like amazing. It was miraculous. I'll tell you the story one day. It was just amazing. God did not love me anymore when I obeyed him and did his will than if I had beat somebody up in the same time. Because God's love for me. And watch this. Some of you, Take that as license to rule break. Some of you take that as license to do what you want. Here, here's the deal. If the only reason you obey God is because you don't think he'll love you, then, the only, then your relationship with God is based on fear, not on Jesus. If that's your only motivation to obey God, then it's fear, not Jesus. Listen, there's a better motivation to love and serve God. And Paul is going to say it right here. You who are trying to be justified by the law, have you been... um, um, I'm sorry, let me say that again. You who are trying to be justified by by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Listen, if you try to connect with Christ by rule-keeping or... By, you know, rule breaking. If you make yourself in bondage to either one of those camps, listen to me. You will only alienate yourself, separate yourself. Not Christ from you, you from the joy of knowing Christ. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit, the righteousness for which we hope. That means, this word hope, there's not really an English equivalent for it. In the Greek, it means to wait for with certainty. You know how, like, um, you'll wait outside and you're like, you know, something, the, the taxis come in or whatever. Like, somebody's going to come pick you up and they just called you 20 minutes ago and say, hey, I'm on my way, get downstairs so we can get going. And so you're not like, oh man, I wonder if they're going to show up. That's not you. You're like waiting. You're just, okay. They're going to show up. It's with a certainty. It's waiting with a certainty. That's the kind of hope that he's talking about. And here it is. For in Christ, and this is, for in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Neither rule keeping nor unrule keeping has any value. The only thing that counts, this is it. This is your new way of connecting with Jesus. 
The only thing that counts is faith expressed itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. So what happens? Jesus saves me. I'm redeemed. He forgives me of my sins. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I've asked him to be the manager and the Lord of my life. He has saved me from the muck and the mire. What happens, guys? What happens? That faith being expressed. Here's a new motivation to live out your Christian life. Love. Because God has loved me so thoroughly. I want to visit that brother in jail. I want to serve that sister with groceries. I want to feed that family. I want to give clothes to the naked and to house the homeless and to feed the hungry and to love the unlovely and to share and to help. Listen, that's the new motivation. If you're stuck in religion, it's either rule-keeping or rule-breaking. It's either circumcision or uncircumcision. You know what you're like if you're, if you're into the religious thing? I got a, I got a, I got a kid who's um, you know, going to go to college next year, right? And here's the thing. In the 10th grade, like that's, right? Is that the grade that they just like colleges really start examining your grades? Like it's the 10th grade, right? And, and they're like most of the kids, they're just like rocking it, knocking it out, knocking it out. You know why? Because everything lands on that year. Like, that's what colleges are examining. So they're like 98, 99, you know, like, wow. You know, they're rocking, ah, going all out, right? And then what happens at the end of the senior year? Right? 70s, 80s, right? They're just totally, you know why? Because they don't have any motivation to do the work. Their only motivation to do the work is to get into the college, but once the acceptance or the declines come in, right, in the, in the beginning of your senior year, they start coming in. And they say, hey, you've been accepted. Hey, you've been declined. Hey, you've been... Well, they, they're not looking at the grades anymore. See, watch this. The reason some of you are so miserable in Christ is because you think that God is looking at the grades. And that as long as your grades are a B- minus or a C, God's not so happy with you. But as long as your grades are an A, then God is really, really happy with you. And he's saying, no. Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel. Jesus plus nothing. Imagine that. And then you say, so then I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. You're going to be a rule breaker. And you go, listen, did you not hear? You have a new motivation. Not so that God can give you a better grade. Not so that God can, you know, go, ooh, he's better than her or she's better than him. Not that. But so that we live out of the outflow of love that has been given to us. You have been loved deeply. And because I've been loved so deeply, I can serve and I can love and I can do. Listen, Charles Spurgeon who's a great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, who's a great preacher, who died about 100 years ago, more than that probably, he had this great illustration that I want to share with you, and then I'll close. (laughs) I hate saying that because I probably never do. And then I'll close. Maybe. I don't know. You might have to sit there for a while. Stretch. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh no, he's going to go on and on. All right, I just say that so you can lean in and pay attention to what, the illustration. Um, so here's the deal. Um, so Charles Spurgeon said that there was once a farmer. And this farmer had a, 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 a small piece of land, and he had grown a prize-winning carrot. He'd, want, he'd grown a prize-winning carrot. He grew this prize-winning carrot, and it was huge. It was like this, you know, those you know, carrots that you see on um, the Food Channel and stuff, you know, where they just grow these big carrots. And so the, he was so overjoyed with this carrot, what he did was he went to the king of that land. He went to the king, and he brought the carrot to the king. And he laid the carrot before the king, and he said this. This was so cool. He said, King, there has never been a carrot like this in my life. I have never grown a carrot like this. This is the greatest carrot I've ever grown. And I just want to give it to you. And I want you to use it for whatever you like. Just enjoy the carrot. It's for you. I love you, and I could think of no greater honor for this carrot or for my humble estate than to give it to you. The king, the guy gives it, and he's walking away. And the king is so moved by this gesture that he goes, come come back here. He goes, I'm going to give you another acre of land. I'm going to give you another acre of land. He goes, no, king, that's not the way I get I'm going to give it to you. You, you grow. Your, your, your love for me has moved me. I'm going to give you another acre of land. Watch this. There's a nobleman in the... Uh, in the court, as you know, this whole thing is transpiring, and he thinks to himself, hey, if a carrot gets you an acre, how much does a horse get you? So he, he comes the next day, oh, king, I have never had a greater horse than this. This is the greatest horse I've ever raised. I want to, and I can think of no honor greater for this horse than for it to be given to you and that you would ride on it and that this horse would be honored by your presence. And he gives it to him. And this time, the king discerned his motives, his heart. Not his actions, his heart. And this time, the king started to walk away. And then the king looks back and the guy's like, I just gave you my greatest horse. What was this? This is crazy. And the king goes, oh, let me explain to you. When you saw the guy yesterday give me the carrot, he was giving it to me. When you gave me the horse, you were giving it to yourself. When we come to church, Expecting God to fix this relationship. And for two weeks, he doesn't fix this relationship. You're out of here. You never gave your relationship to God. You gave it to yourself. If we come and in two weeks, all of a sudden, God hasn't helped us to kick our habit and we're out of here, then you never gave your habit to God. You gave it to yourself. 
If you come, and now we just recently, like as a church, just so you know, and if you're new, this might make you feel uncomfortable. We've had like a recommitment, and we've had people to say, and I'm so proud of you, you guys who've been giving and supporting the ministry and feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and, you know, soup kitchens and food pantries and all the things that we do. You're financially supporting that, and now you just got on board with that. Well, listen, if you do that so that God can give you $1,000 next week or a million dollars next year, listen, you're not giving the money to God. You're giving it to yourself and you're a slave and you're a slave and Paul is saying it's for freedom that you've been set free here's a new motivation guys God you've loved me so well I just want listen I give this relationship to you and if you disintegrate the relationship I'm okay because I love you and it's you that I want and you know what? I'm going to give you this habit. And if, it, if, if I have to struggle with this habit for my whole life, I'm not going to leave you because it's okay because I love you because you've loved me. And because, you know what? I'm going to do good at work, not so I could get the better raise. Or why is that person get the better raise? And why is that person driving the car? Why is that person in the new house? Why does that person get new clothes? And why is that person's kid doing so much better? I thought my situation, and God, I serve you so much more than them. And why is that person getting healed? I give all those things unto you, Lord, because you've loved me. And I want to love you. And if you, I never get anything in return, Jesus is enough. That's freedom. And it's for freedom that he set you free. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine so that he would die, rise from the dead for our salvation so that we might be free men, no longer living in the, in the slavery. You no longer need that man or that woman, that job or that hope, that dream or that kid's success. You won't need any of that because you'll be in love with Jesus. It's for freedom that he has set you free. So here's what I want you to do. Be free. I want you to watch this. I want you, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to surrender your life. What are you waiting for? Eternity is a long time. Give your life to Jesus today. Don't wait. Listen, if you know Jesus and he's, he's your Lord and Savior, when you blow it this week, ask Jesus if he loves you. I loved you as much as the, as the day that I died for you. And listen, and be humbled. And then listen. When you do the great thing, when you give away your last dollar, when you feed that homeless person, when you give, we're going to have our offering now, when you give to that in a sacrificial way, when you do that, go, Jesus, do you love me anymore? Because I love you the same as I did that very day that I died for you. See, so you don't get proud or you don't get depressed. Each time you get humbled. Every time. It's for free. You've been set free. Not to be a slave to rule keeping or rule breaking. Not so that you can follow your habits. No, no, no. Listen. So that you might be free to love him who loved us so well that we might know him forever. Freedom. Now, in your yellow cards, all I want you to do, if I want you to practice this all week. When you blow it, ask Jesus. This is all I want you to do. I want you to go, Jesus, do you still love me? And I want you to wait. Sit there. 
till you hear him say, I love you as much as I did the day that I died on the cross for you. If you don't know Jesus, I need you to give your heart to him today. But if you do, I want you to live this week out like that. Now watch this. Imagine. Imagine if you walked around with the... What would that do to your actions? What would that do to your your day-to-day affairs? What would it do? Listen, let me ask you something. What would it do in your relationship with your family who kind of looks down on you because you blew it for so many years? How free would you be if you walked into that room going, but Jesus loves me? How free would you be if when you blew it, you go, Jesus, I don't want to blow this because it hurts me and I don't want to do this anymore, but thank you for loving me so beautifully. I'm free. It's yours. Be free. So on the card, if you're going to write anything down and you're going to do, uh, if, if you're going to, not if you're going to write anything down, if you're going to do what I just asked you to do, which is walk throughout the week in constant communion with God, asking him, do you still love me? Do you still love me? Do you still love me? No more than I did the very day that I laid down my life for you. So you don't get proud because you do something good and you don't get depressed when you do something bad. You walk in love in Jesus. If that's the case, I want you to just write, for freedom. That's it. On that yellow card. If you, for this week, if you plan on doing that, and if as you're walking throughout this week, you, you're, you're living in for freedom and you sense a great sense of joy, I want you to email me that. I love hearing about that. My email address is nbtpastoredwin. It's easy to remember. nbtpastoredwin at aol.com. And so, I love you. I'm going to pray for you. Then we're going to have our offering. Um, so let me pray for you. And we'll close. But listen, when relating to Jesus, don't give the gift to yourself. By doing good, give the gift to Jesus. And whether you get rewarded or not, you're in Christ. You're free. And when you blow it, rely on the love of Jesus because you're free. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, uh, for this word. Man, this just is a treasure. Your word is a treasure. And Lord, I know that each one of us wants so bad to be free. We don't want to be distracted like runners in Olympics. We don't want to be veered off. We don't want to be fall into the camp that, that has us fall into the rule-keeping camp where we're so afraid that you're going to run away from us if we mess up. And we don't want to fall into the camp where it's rule-breaking, where we hurt ourselves and our whole lives fall apart. But Lord, we want to live in love to you. Every decision, every action, every habit that we develop, that it would be because we love you. Because it's for freedom that you've set us free. Lord, I pray freedom on every person here. Freedom from the bondage of sin. Freedom from the bondage of religion. Freedom to love only Jesus. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.